Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. Are we at peak euphoria? Well, that's the question Goldman is asking. The Investor's Intelligence poll recently shows a 41% gap in its survey between bulls and bears. Anything above 40 maps to extreme greed. Speaking of extreme greed, that's exactly where CNN's Fear and Greed Index is pointing. And another strategist on Bloomberg this week described the current mentality permeating the market as, quote, everything is awesome, citing these recent moves in Bitcoin and the stocks of small cap growth and unprofitable companies. Now, over in credit land, IG is down 1.8% on the year and high yield is up all of 20 basis points and prospective Fed cuts keep getting cut and pushed out. Not exactly the stuff of euphoria. In any event, this week our three things are 1. Commodities downdraft. Historically, that move can be good or bad. We'll give you our thoughts. 2. Cost of equity versus cost of debt. What does the Fed make of this? And 3. A choiceful consumer. What that means for all-important spending. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. We are often asked about geopolitical risk. One, because it's prevalent. Two, it's headliney. And three, it's difficult to dimension. It seems like it should affect markets. However, it usually doesn't, except when that event, that risk, materially affects supply and demand of a commodity or a currency. We watch commodity prices because it can disrupt trade flows and it can impact global growth and inflation. In fact, to the latter point, commodities represent 38% of CPI so we pay attention. With all this as background, it's noteworthy that commodity prices in the aggregate have been on a significant downward move since its recent peak back in June of 22, when geopolitical risk, the Russian war on Ukraine, hit Europe's commodity superstore. Since then, commodity prices, as measured by the Bloomberg Commodity Index, have fallen 29%. Now, the price of energy, both oil and natural gas, have led the way in part because of the West's multifaceted response aimed at reducing reliance on Russian sources, and in part because of the economic slowdown everywhere, it seems, but the U.S. And therein lies the double-edged sword of commodity prices. When rising, commodity prices threaten to stoke inflation. When falling, they signal slowing growth. Usually the latter trumps the former, meaning slowing growth historically has been a much greater threat to prosperity than inflation. Today, however, with all eyes on central banks and their potential pivots, taming inflation and reducing the likely drag of restrictive interest rates just might be more important to risk markets than slowing global growth. So the recent downdraft is a positive for credit overall, if not for energy or food producers. All right, on to our second thing, equity cheaper than debt. It's easy to forget just how distorted capital markets have gotten over the past 15 years. Massive quantitative easing by central banks post the global financial crisis drove interest rates to unnatural, unsustainably low levels in an effort to, quite frankly, battle deflationary forces and a stalled global growth engine. Credit spreads eventually became tight and compressed across the credit curve, and the cost of downgrade had never been cheaper. But every good party comes to an end. The fastest hiking cycle in 40 years needed to tame inflation has driven the cost of capital higher and quite possibly back toward normal if we even remember what that was. But a funny thing happened along the way. 
cost of equity got cheaper than the cost of debt. What? That's not supposed to be the case. Equity carries a higher risk to investors since shareholders are subordinate to bondholders and are not guaranteed a capital gain or dividend payment. But this week, I tripped across a Bloomberg piece highlighting work done by Robert Buckland, a longtime city equity strategist now at a startup, Engine AI, who shows the cost of equity for the S&P 500, as measured by the earnings yield, that's EPS over stock price, is now lower than the cost of debt. Now, that hasn't been the case on a sustained basis since the dot-com era of the late 1990s, early 2000s. That earnings yield today is around 4%, while investment-grade yields are about 5.5%. So that suggests that companies should be issuing equity more often. Now, I'm not suggesting in the face of record-setting bond issuance that we're going to see equity new-issue business rise up off the mat. Mr. Buckland's calculation is just one more data point that suggests that the era of cheap and easy debt is over and that corporate treasurers in certain sectors will find very viable financing options in the equity market. The broader point here is that financial conditions, a function of debt and equities markets, are plenty accommodating, according to the various indexes out there tracking these things. And it follows logically that for the Fed to pivot to cut rates, it will likely need to see financial conditions tighten, not get more accommodating. All right, on to our third thing, a choiceful consumer. So we're keeping close tabs on the U.S. consumer, the growth engine of the world, as it adjusts its spending. In the past, we've taken notice of decelerating spend. Bank of America Institute has been a useful and insightful source of data on that front. Their data shows that total credit and debit card spend per household fell year over year in January, two-tenths of 1%. A year ago, it had risen 15% over the prior year, just to give you a sense of momentum. In addition to consumers pulling back on their spending, latest quarterly earnings from bellwethers such as Walmart, Target, Macy's, etc. tell us that consumers continue to shift demand towards staples and that they are pushing back on price increases. Walmart CFO described the consumer as being choiceful. Now, we've spoken recently about the challenge all of this presents to the consumer sector in general and to its margins more specifically. We remind folks that we do not expect the consumer to fall off a cliff. In fact, if we compare the consumer discretionary spider ETF with the staples spider ETF, discretionary has outperformed staples since the recent market low last October. It's clear that, for now, leftover excess stimulus savings, real wage growth, the confidence that comes from a tight job market continue to provide a relatively smooth glide path for the consumer back to normal. That might not sound like something to get excited about, but considering what's going on in the rest of the world and all that we've come through here in the States, that continues to provide a fairly constructive backdrop for credit. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, commodities downdraft. In this go-around, taming inflation is more important to risk assets than slowing growth. Two, the cost of equity versus cost of debt. Taken together, we have loose financial conditions, and that won't help the Fed in its rate cutting. And three, a choiceful consumer. Consistent with slowdown, not recession. As always, thanks for joining. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our ratings reports and our latest research. We'll see you next week.
Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.